Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I need you, Holy Spirit, to please, please fill me. We need this, and this is what empowered Peter. This is where this other message he's going to preach again. This comes through this feeling of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Spirit occupies this space within your heart. You are His temple, just like that video was telling us. You are the temple of God. Paul will tell that to the church of Corinth. It's your body. You are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. So what do you need? You need the Holy Spirit to fill you to an overflow. Fill you with an overflow. Are you being filled by the Holy Spirit? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he shares with you the importance of being filled by the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit leads your life, you'll bear much fruit. You'll yield love, kindness, and goodness. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps guide, guard, empower, and comfort you. Pastor James encourages you to rely on the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to occupy the entire space of your heart. Be filled by His presence and be empowered by His leading. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Acts chapter 4 is where we're at. Verse 1, it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people. Okay, so now you've got this crowd. Everybody's wondering, like, what's going on? This this guy, we've we've known this guy, and now he's walking. So what happened? And Peter, the previous chapter, again, just just so you know, he lets them know. He's like, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised that Jesus did something? Why, Why are you surprised that the creator of all the earth, the giver of life, has just restored this man's ankles and his feet? Why are you surprised by the creator of Jesus doing something that nobody can explain? He's kind of done that his whole life. And they're like, do not worship us. Do not. This isn't us. This is, this is the Lord Jesus. So he's pointing people to Jesus. And as he's going on, it says, as he's speaking to the people, the leading priest, the captain of the temple guard, that's the church police officers. It's technically who that is, okay? Um, that's the security team right there. Uh, and some of the Sadducees came over to them. Now, the Sadducees were... We talked about this a little bit too, but they are a religious group who did not believe in the resurrection. So they're really going to have issues with Peter and John and their message. So you have Pharisees and you have Sadducees, the two ruling leaders of this day and age at this point in time. So they come over to him, verse 2, it says, they were disturbed that Peter and John were claiming on the authority of Jesus that there is a resurrection from the dead or of the dead. They can't, they don't even care about this dude. Please understand that. They do not even care about this man who was healed. They don't care about him. They don't care that God has just done something miraculous in their presence. They do not care that this guy who was born crippled for 40 something years has never taken a step in his life is now dancing and jumping around. They do not care about that. What they are upset about is theology, is doctrine. And they're messed up on doctrine. They're mess- These are the religious leaders, and they don't even know, they don't know what they're talking about. But they're mad because these two uneducated fishermen are telling all the people there's a resurrection of the dead. They're still kind of sore about this subject because the guy that they killed disappeared three days later. And they're like, well, you can't tell people there's a resurrection from the dead. You cannot communicate hope to these individuals. 
You can't do that. Not here. Not at church. <laughs> what? Seriously? That's what was going on. Verse 3, they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they jailed them until morning. So they, they arrest these guys, Peter and John. They arrest them. They lock them up. And they, they hold them for 24 hours, almost. Um, they hold them overnight. Like, on what grounds? We don't like what you're saying. Do we do anything illegal? No, not really. Well, you know, they're, they're trying to watch to make sure there's no false teaching going on. But when you don't know what the word says, how can you judge what's false and what's true? So they're going to lock them up overnight. Verse 4, but many, here's the kicker, but many of the people, the audience, the crowd that Peter and John were speaking to, who heard their message believed it so that the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So upwards, I mean, you just double that number. Conservative estimation, you can just double that 5,000 to 10,000. The church is growing. It's growing. Why is it growing? Because these people are focused on Jesus. These people are focused on the gospel, that Jesus came, that he died for our sins, and he rose again, and that the story doesn't end there. He's still alive. He's still active. Our God, this God that we serve, that I hope that you will pledge your allegiance to, he's a, he's a missional God. He's on a mission. He's on a mission. That's what's making a difference in these, in these, these individuals' lives. That's why so, so many are, are just drawn to him, because of this beautiful gospel message. What is so fascinating about that is these same people, at one point in time in their lives, had some sort of an encounter with Jesus physically. They watched him. They were probably in Jerusalem with him. There's a good chance that a lot of these people were there when he was crucified. Maybe a part of the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. It's an amazing thing how the Lord works and how the Spirit is just moving. And Peter is just filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's communicating with the Spirit, just like we read from Matthew chapter 10. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Spirit will give you the words. If you're worried about sharing your faith, your, the gospel with people, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to have the right thing to say, don't sweat it. Okay, number one, read the Bible, please. Read your Bibles. Stay in the Word. Be in the Word. Store this thing up. Memorize it. Just store it up in your heart. And I promise, I promise you this, you will have an encounter if you're obedient to the leading of the Spirit. He will give you what you need to say. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't. You just need to know the one who is the major answer to all the questions, so to speak. You just need to know Jesus. Get in his word. Store it up in your heart. Just let the Spirit do what he does best. Let the Spirit do what, he's do what he does best. That's what Peter's doing. Peter's just like, they're just going to prayer meeting. And the Spirit moves them. The Spirit is the one leading them and directing them. And that's why he stopped at that guy. And he healed that guy. And that guy's jumping around, causing a scene, drawing all these people to what? To hear the message that the Holy Spirit has to speak through Peter. It's incredible. But it got him in trouble. This great move of God ends up getting uh, Peter and John in trouble, so to speak. But here's where the, the, the trial kind of happens, right? Verse 5. The next day, the council of, the, of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, uh, the high priest, was there. We know him, and we know Caiaphas. Those two were heavily involved in the trial 
the legal trial of Jesus that ended up in his death and being handed over to the Romans. John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. So everyone is there. Everyone is there. Verse 7, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Who are you representing? Who do you represent? What gives you the right? What gives you the right? What gives you the right to talk about the resurrection? What gives you the right to heal a man? What gives you a right? Well, technically, that's supposed to be your job. If I understand the Old Testament, (laughs) why aren't you doing your job? But the Spirit's moving. The Spirit's moving. And these religious leaders, they don't even know where to put this thing. They're like, by what power, whose name have you done this? Verse 8, then Peter. Here's the key, guys. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why we pray. I I hope you pray this as well. Every, Every day I'm praying, Holy Spirit, please fill me today. Please fill me today. Because it's not just like a one and done type thing where it's like, I got filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't, no, I, I need it every day. There's some days I need it multiple times. I'm like, please, please. I took my eyes off of you. Lord, I need, I'm driving in traffic. I need you, Holy Spirit, to please, please fill me. We need this. And this is what empowered Peter. This is where this other message he's going to preach again. This comes through this feeling of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Spirit occupies this space within your heart. You are his temple, just like that video was telling us. You are the temple of God. Paul will tell that to the church at Corinth. It's your body. You are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. So what do you need? You need the Holy Spirit to fill you to an overflow, fill you with an overflow. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, leaders and elders of our nation, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? He's like, I'm sorry, but um, can I, you never read me my Miranda rights. Um, so can I ask you guys, like, why are we in jail? Why are we here? Is it because we did a good thing? That's, that's why you locked us up, right? We're here in jail, and we're on this, we're basically on trial before you because we did a good thing? And Peter's just setting him up. Just so I understand this, just so I understand, we're being grilled by you because we did a good thing. Fascinating. Interesting. He goes on to say, do you want to know how he was healed? You want to know how we did this? Do you want to know the answer to this question? Goes on to say, let me clearly state to you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So here's Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, and what? Again, he's what? Drawn up scripture. Scripture. He doesn't, he's not standing before them with his Bible, his Old Testament Bible in hand, where he's like, hold on, I know this verse. Hold on, let me get to it. Let me flip this. No, it's already here. It's already in here for Peter. And the Spirit, as he's filled Peter, he is pulling these things out of Peter, so to speak. So Peter does not, literally doesn't have to worry so much about what he will say because he already knows from Matthew chapter 10 that Jesus says, listen, you will stand before the authorities. Don't worry about what you're going to say because the Spirit will give you the words to say. And oftentimes what the Spirit will bring up in those conversations is his word. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should be in this thing daily. It's not, again, it's not something that we have to do. It's something that we want to do. 
You want to read the Bible, okay? Get that other thing out of your brain. God's not in heaven with his golden stars saying like, you did it today, here's your gold star. It's not that at all. It's not. What he's saying is like, you're my son, you're my daughter. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Open up my word. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. I want to put the stuff in you because you don't, know the, you don't know when you're going to be standing before whoever, and the Lord's going to cause all these verses to come to, your, come to your brain. You're going to be like, boom, 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 boom. Where'd that come from? I don't know. I don't know. But man, the more, I, and that's what I've, I've discovered, the more I've committed myself to being in the word, the more it just comes out. The more it just comes out. Now, I don't quote the word always perfectly. So if you've ever had a conversation with me. I may throw out a verse, and it's like, you're like, I don't know if... Listen, I'm, there's, I'm still learning. 21 years into this thing, I'm still like, oh, Lord, I, you know, just as long as I don't get all heretical, Jesus is going to help me. It may be the James Grizzle translation, but uh, it's not going to be off, uh, you know, theologically. But the point is, like, the Lord will bring this stuff out of us at the right time. I remember I was in Bible college Southern California, and we, we would go out on Friday nights. We go uh, Oceanside, and um, there's Marine Camp Pendleton's right there. Uh, anybody and everybody lives in Oceanside, California. I mean, you, you name it, like, it is a strange place to be, uh, for sure. And, you know, <laughs> so, um, but you're out there, you're going to encounter anybody and all that stuff. But what's really cool is we would go out there as, a, as college kids and get together, we'd pray, and then we'd separate, go in like groups of, you know, however many, just hit up the boulevard share the gospel, pray for people and all that stuff, and then we come back. One night we did that, and, you know, we did the thing. We, we prayed, we, we went out, and we gathered back together, and, and one of the girls who was with us, uh, well, the group she was part of, they came back, and they were just, like, glowing almost. You know, you could tell, like, something crazy just happened. And, and so they went on to share the story where they were witnessing to this guy. They were, they were sharing the gospel with this guy, and just nothing's nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And, and all of a sudden, the girl who's with them, she's like, your sister, how's your sister, or something along those lines. And he's like, hold on. He's like, what, what do you, how do you know? She's like, your sister has cancer. Your sister has cancer. How, how, is, how is she doing, you know, along those lines? She didn't even, she don't even know who this guy is. She doesn't even know that he had a sister. But the spirit was like, he's got a sister that's weighing on his heart. She has cancer. She's like, we're going to pray for your sister right now. And he's like, whoa. He's like, hold on. Like, who are you people and all that stuff? And they just were able to share the gospel with this guy, point him to Jesus. I believe that guy ended up giving his life to the Lord that night because he's like, nobody knows. And he's carrying this weight with him. And she just showed up and because the spirit is like moving on her. And, and she's just sitting there quietly. And she's like, tell me about your sister who's got cancer. We're going to pray for her. And he's just floored just absolutely floored. See, the Spirit can do that stuff. He can do that stuff. You can, you're in good hands. If you just take a step of faith, you're going to be like the church at the end of this chapter. You're going to pray for boldness. Just take a step of faith. Those things aren't always going to happen. You're not always going to pull people up by their hand and their legs are going to be healed miraculously. Do miracles still happen? Yes, I believe miracles still happen. Absolutely. I think it's a rare occurrence in America because sometimes, you know, we're just, we're a little too comfortable here. But go visit some friends in other nations where it's a little more dangerous to be a Christian. And you will hear stories of just the miraculous that still happens today. So here's Peter. Here's John. Peter's like, let me tell you how this all happened. It's Jesus. 
Jesus. Remember Jesus, right? The guy 50, some, 50 plus days ago, you, you killed. You, you handed him over to the Romans, and you guys stuck him on that cross. You also remember this Jesus guy that three days later, he rose from the grave, and you guys came up with this plan, this lie that you spread amongst the nation saying his disciples, who that's who we are, that we stole his body. He's talking to the same guys who came up with that lie. The same exact guys. He's like, you remember Jesus, right? Of course you do. Of course you do. Well, he's the reason why this guy's walking. He's the reason this guy's dancing. He's the reason this guy's praising God right now. They don't like that answer. Um, they don't like the fact that Peter would quote scripture to them that they were familiar with this scripture, and that he would actually use it against them. They're offended by that. But he goes on to say, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all heaven for people to call on to save them. There's no other name. There is no other way. And I'm sorry, this is exclusive, but it's his, this is his kingdom. He gets to do whatever he wants. And if Jesus says there is one way to heaven, hey, guess what? There's one way. You don't like it? Take it up with him. I didn't make the rules. I didn't create this world. I didn't create you. I didn't write this book and preserve this thing throughout all, the, all this time in this history and people coming against this word all the time, all the time, seeking to destroy this word. There's no other book on this planet that is more hated in one sense than this book. And it's because of claims like this. It really sets people off. But Jesus said, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Did anybody else die for your sins? No. Did anybody else raise from the grave three days later? No. Okay, he gets to make the rules. He gets to make the rules. That's it. So just be good with it. What we should, when we hear that stuff, we should be like, praise God that there is a way. Because I know I'm a wretched sinner, I know who I, I know exactly who I was before I surrendered my life to him at 19 years old. I know all the stupid stuff I was heavily into. All the other idols that I devotedly bowed down to. He, he did all this stuff for us. And the fact that he would come and do that for us is amazing. And so, yeah, if Jesus is the only way, he's the only one who's earned the right to be the only way. Praise God there's a way. And praise God that the only way to heaven, Jesus was willing to come here and to die for us. Nobody else is doing that. No other religion offers that. Nobody does. Listen, I've, I've, I've searched them all out. Nobody else does this. He was the only one who says, yeah, you guys are rebelling against me. You're my enemies. I'm going to come because I love you. And I'm going to die for you. And there is only one way, and it is through me, but I'm coming to rescue you. Praise God for that. That should be like, that should be one of those points where you're just like, man, amen to that because that's awesome. There's no other name. There's no other name. Paul would write to the church of Philippi, listen, it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow down. Whether that's today, hopefully it's today, okay? Let me, you don't want to wait on this deal because... Everyone will bow down to Jesus. Everybody will. Unfortunately for some, it's just going to be too late. Unfortunately for some, it's going to be too late. That's why you pray for your family members. That's why you pray for your coworkers. That's why you pray for your neighbors. 
that today would be the day they bow their knee to Jesus. You don't want it to be at the end of it all. But it's one name. It's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Here's the, here, here's the kicker to this whole thing, too. Okay, so here's Peter and John. They're just preaching. They're just preaching. And these highly trained religious leaders are like, man, these guys, well, you know, they don't, they don't speak too highly of Galileans anyways. These are country boys, right? Like in, in Israel, these are like country folks, so to speak, of like, they're not as sophisticated as us in Jerusalem, right? That was kind of their thought process. And they are absolutely impressed with Peter and with John. So, they, they, so it goes on to say, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. They're like, how do these guys, how do these fishermen know so much about the Bible? How do they have this boldness? How are they preaching with authority, which these religious leaders, none of them had. None of them had. The thing that they were impressed, one of the things they were, they were impressed with concerning Jesus was that he preached with authority. And when these guys got up to teach, nobody really cared what they had to say. Because none of these guys were preaching with authority because they didn't have it. Jesus showed up and taught in the temple. They were like, wow, this guy's got authority. Now they're seeing the same thing with Peter and John. And they're amazed that these two uneducated fishermen can speak so clearly and boldly. And they're, they're just amazed by it. This isn't speaking against education or, or, or for or anything like that. The point of this is that Peter and John hung out with Jesus, and they were trained by Jesus and when the moment came to stand before these men and to share what the Holy Spirit wanted them to share, they did it. They did it. If education's your thing, sweet. I love education. I love it. I love it. I earned my associates, which is really nothing I learned in, uh, in Bible college, which is really nothing. But I, man, I'm, I'm taking, I'll, I'll, I'll study anything. I'll read up on anything. I just love it. I love learning. I love absolutely learning. I love learning new stuff, stuff I don't even use in my life, Okay. Have no, there's no point to it at all, but I just love learning about it. God's given us these brains, and they're awesome, and they're amazing, and I just want to learn stuff because I'm just fascinated by it. That's not your deal? That's not your deal. doesn't matter. What I would hope is that you spend so much time with Jesus that you begin to look and sound like him, that when people encounter you, they're like, seems like you'd spend a lot of time with this guy, Jesus. And you're like, man, I, I try. I try. I try. Well, what's your, what degrees? I don't have any degrees. I don't. If I showed you my one, you'd laugh at it. But it's like, I just want to spend more time with Jesus. That's, I, if I want to look and sound like anybody in this world, it's him. That's what's going on here with Peter and John. And the religious leaders are just absolutely amazed. It goes on to even say that they also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. The same guys who a little over a month ago had Jesus physically in their presence questioning him, by what authority are you doing these things? And now they're talking to Peter and John, two of his guys, and they're like, man, you guys sound just like them. Thank you. Thank you. Amen to that. That's a compliment. Thank you so much for that. And especially for Peter, if you know anything about his story, that guy had foot in the mouth disease like crazy, okay? Always opening up his mouth just so he could insert his foot nonstop. And he would still, he'll still have moments of that, but you can see the transformation that's happening in this guy's life. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through the book of Acts. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again or listen to more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. At Calvary Galveston, we strive to love and live as Jesus did. We're just ordinary people discovering extraordinary truths from the Bible together. As we continue to journey through the book of Acts, our prayer is that your faith is inspired to move, that when you read about the early church, you rediscover the purpose that God has for your life. You might think you're just ordinary, but God sees you deeper and He knows that you're more than that. Being obedient to the calling that God has on your life might not always make sense, but God blesses those who are faithful to answer His call. And you never know what incredible things God has in store when you freely say, Yes, Lord. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit. Or if you're looking for a new church home, you're always welcome. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to start the week out right with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. Find out more and plan your visit by going to our website, breadforthebroken.com. As you go throughout the rest of your day, may you find hope and new life in Jesus.